Welcome, beautiful soul, to the Stars Are Calling You podcast. I'm Danielle Lelantiri, an ITA energy medicine practitioner, intuitive empath, and spiritual writer, here to bridge the gap between science and spirituality. In this space, we deep dive every week into topics designed to help you awaken, align, self-heal, and transform. I believe the stars have called you to this podcast for a reason. Let's dive in and find out why. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome or welcome back to the Stars Are Calling You podcast. Today, I'd like to share information all about motivation. As you know, I have an educational background in both Western psychology and Eastern energy medicine, and my passion here is to really fuse the two and and show that they can both exist simultaneously and be beneficial when you use them together. And so today I want to take a little bit of a different approach that I sometimes take, and I want to share some psychology hacks for motivation backed by peer-reviewed clinical research studies. I don't believe that statistics are a sure thing. I believe, though, that statistically significant research has a lot of weight and that we should pay attention to this information and see okay, do we fall within this category? Is this something that can affect us to some degree or can this information illuminate a way for me to better help myself? And so that's what I want to share today. I think that motivation is something that we expect we need in order to do something. Motivation comes and motivation goes. Motivation is not something that is stable and that needs to be present in order for us to fulfill our goals. And what I mean by that is that it doesn't need to be present all the time. What matters way more than motivation is consistency and discipline when you are trying to enact anything. However, feeling motivated to complete a goal obviously sparks a lot of excitement and gets you pumped up for it. And so we want to work with, okay, how can I cultivate a consistent level of motivation? How can I work with myself and what I know to be true and what science says is statistically significant? And how can I create a life where I can be motivated to achieve my goals and implement new habits that are going to benefit me? So I have a lot I want to share, so I'm just going to jump right into it. First things first, the more you know about the inner workings of your brain, the more you know about your psyche, about you individually, but also humans as a collective, the more you know, the more you can work with it instead of you letting it work against you. Okay, class is officially in session. Let's get some basic terms out of the way so that we are all on the same page. What is motivation? Motivation is why we do what we do. It has both energy and direction. So motivated behavior is energized towards a goal or an end state that has a certain value. So it has purpose and direction. Okay, what is value? Value is the personal assessment of the net worth obtained from achieving a goal. So why does the goal matter? And what does this achievement of the goal provide me? And now what is means? Means are actions taken to reach a goal. So for example... If you want to get a good grade, the means to achieving your goal would be to study and take good notes in class. So motivation is why we do what we do. 
and it is motivated, it is energized towards an end state that we consider is valuable. And how we get to that end state is through our means. That is a very succinct explanation of motivation. There are some older theories of motivation, like drive theory and expectancy theory and the needs versus wants theory. And these theories look at either being driven away from a negative experience, doing something because you expect it to give you a positive experience, or having biological needs versus more psychological desires. And all of those have a lot of weight and make a lot of sense, but what psychologists are now looking at presently is the utilitarian versus the hedonic perspective. Now, before I get into that, one thing that I want to note that kind of falls into the old way of looking at it category is homeostasis. Homeostasis obviously exists. It is the body's balanced, steady state. And now when we look at it for motivation, when in homeostasis, your body and mind are comfortable. And so motivated behavior begins when we as individuals perceive or anticipate a departure from homeostasis or our current state. Now, this is not always driven by biology. For example, we may be full, like stuffed to the brim, yet of course we still save room for dessert. Our body is not biologically saying we want food, but psychologically we desire something sweet. And so I say that because the question I pose for you is, when do you feel out of balance? When do you not feel in a steady state? What is your own psychological homeostasis? If you find out what gets you out of feeling balanced and aligned, you can glimpse into the reasons why you are motivated to enact in certain behaviors or the reasons why you're not motivated to act in certain ways to achieve the goals that you actually want to achieve. What is your personal psychological energetic homeostasis? And how can you work with it? How can you fine-tune it in order to get you to a place where you are motivated to do the things you actually want to do? Okay, so now let's jump back to the utilitarian and hedonic view of motivation. So this comes up a lot in consumer behavior and a lot of marketing stuff because we label things and products as either hedonic or utilitarian. However, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think that we can apply certain things in our life as having either utilitarian or hedonic properties or expectations. And so although this is something that is more geared towards products, and I will use products and actual physical material things as an example, I want you to broaden your scope of your mind. And I want you to see, okay, what else in my life do I view with these lenses? Because it could also be belief systems, it could be habits that you engage in, it can be a lot of things because basically this is the lens in which we give things value. And like we said in the beginning, value is our personal assessment of what we gain from achieving a goal. And so it can either be utilitarian, which is something that provides functional or practical benefit. So things that have utilitarian value have so because they allow a person to accomplish something they need to do. 
a utilitarian product are primarily instrumental and practical in nature. So think microwaves, minivans, dishwashers, socks. That's something that is very utilitarian. It provides functional, practical benefit. And so associated with these things of value are rational explanations for purchasing it or for engaging in that behavior. So for example, I wear a hat because it'll protect my face from the sun. That is a utilitarian outlook on purchasing or wearing a hat. Now, hedonic value, on the other hand, provides experiential or emotional benefits. So in other words, things that have hedonic value have so because they provide immediate gratification through the actual experience and the emotions associated with the consumption. So, for example, a hedonic value is purchased for effective or sensory fulfillment. Think heavily reliant on emotions, immediate gratification, more of you want it because it fulfills some type of pleasure within you, not because you want it because it is practical or functional. And so let's use that hat example again. For example, instead of I'm buying the hat because it'll protect my face from the sun, it's I'm buying the hat because it looks really pretty and I want to impress ex-boy in my class. And products can have both utilitarian and hedonic value. For example, a car. A car is very practical and functional. It gets you to places you need to go. You need it to go to work. You need a car in life. And you can also purchase it because it has really practical, great benefits, like it's good on gas and it saves you money. But you can also buy a car because it looks really cool or because it's good for the environment and you want to help the environment. So there's a lot of reasons why you would purchase a car or why you would choose one car over the other. And it could be both. You could value a product or an experience or a habit or a goal. You can value something because it provides both functional, practical benefits and also effective and emotional benefits as well. So something that I take away from this is if you find something kind of in the middle, if you find that your mindset around something is like, well, it doesn't have either utilitarian or hedonic value to me, then it's very clear that you're not going to be motivated (laughs) in that goal or to acquire that thing because the value of it is set pretty low. Another thing is if you want to increase your motivation, reframe your mindset of the value because like I shared, That hat could be completely utilitarian, completely hedonic, or both. I'm buying it to protect my face from the sun and to look really pretty to impress the boy. Both things can coexist. And so the question I pose for you is how can you maneuver and manipulate the things in your life to have both utilitarian and hedonic value? Because that is what you're going to be most motivated towards. It has a lot of things going for it. It can benefit you in a lot of ways. It fulfills that more practical, functional side of you and that more emotional, immediate gratification side. And so find value in the things that are just pleasurable and find pleasure in the things that are more practical. Okay, now I'm going to jump into some studies that also reflect on specific situations. So once I cover all of them, I should have covered a majority of situations that you find yourself in 
when you are feeling a lack of motivation and want to re-spark that fire and get you going to achieve your dreams, to get your goals, to do it all because you're meant for it and you know you're meant for it. Okay, so when you're approximately midway through, this is what you should do. This is from a study by Koo and Fishback in 2008. They wanted to know that when you're approximately midway through, what motivates you more, a high progress condition or a low progress condition? And so they tested that out. They asked the high progress condition, and thinking about the past and the work you've done so far, how much progress have you made towards your academic achievement goals? And in the low progress condition, they asked, and thinking about your future and the work you have remaining, how much progress do you still have to make towards your academic achievement goals? And then they monitored their motivation in some some way that they did. And they found out that the low progress condition increases motivation because it signals a lack of progress. So when you're focusing on, oh my gosh, there's still so much left to go, you kind of get re-inspired to go and do it. Whereas if you focus on all that you've done, oh, I've come so far. That's awesome. You may not be as motivated to then finish it because you're like, yeah, good job. Good job, me. I did a lot. I can rest. And now, obviously, I want to take a little pause here and talk about mental health and how important it is to not push yourself too hard. It is very important to rest and take breaks and monitor when you need to do so, when you need to push yourself and when you need to coddle yourself. And so, Simply put, this episode is about how to find motivation, so I'm not saying this is the absolute best thing for you at this time if you're feeling a lack of motivation. I'm simply stating the science, and then I want to work with you on how to manipulate this knowledge in order to assist you in your own achievement goals. But framing something always in low progress, saying, saying, oh my gosh, I've accomplished absolutely nothing. I'm not even close to there yet. I have so much left to go. That can spark anxiety. That can also make people feel negatively about themselves. We don't want that. We want you to say, okay, I've come far. I did a lot. I can pat myself on the back for that. However, I also want to draw my attention to how much I have left to go. This isn't over. My goal is not achieved yet. I still have to get there. Let's put in the work. Let's get up and do it. When I hear this research, I hear first focus on how far you've come to make yourself feel better, to give some positive emotions and love to yourself, and then immediately switch your mindset to how far you've left to go, not to punish yourself, not in any negative way, but simply to acknowledge that you're not at your goal yet. So you that you can feel inspired and motivated to continue chasing that goal. Okay, that was my little tangent on mental health, but that's just something that came to mind when I heard about this. You don't want to always be down on yourself. Okay, but what about when you're first starting out? That was from when you're in the middle. What about when you're first starting out on a goal? This is a little different. Now, directing your attention to accumulated progress increases perspective compared to directing attention to remaining progress. So what does that mean? That means that I've completed 20% of my goal is way more motivating than I have 80% remaining. But now what about when you're closer to the finish line, when you're almost done? It's the complete opposite. Directing attention to remaining progress 
increases persistence compared to accumulated progress. So what does this look like? It looks like I have only 20% left to go, which is way more motivating than I've completed 80%. And that goes back to what we were just talking about. If you focus on the 80% you completed, you're less motivated to do the remaining 20%. But if you reframe it and you say, I just have 20% left to go, then you're more motivated. But that's only at the end. In the beginning, it's better to focus on what you've accomplished. Whereas at the end, it's better to focus on how much you have left. And as a little experiment over the past week, I've actually practiced this in my workouts. So I started strength training at the gym recently. I like the idea of putting myself in uncomfortable situations for growth. I think that that can have a lot of psychological benefits when I get challenged in my day-to-day life outside of the gym. That was kind of my intention for going. And I've tested this out by doing two things. Well, actually three things. So I have three conditions for myself. Focused on the reps that I've completed. I focused on the reps that I have remaining. And then I did a mixture of both. So this can look like, okay, I want to do 10 push-ups. So I will say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay, I completed 10 reps of push-ups. I'm done. The other thing I would do is I'd count down. I'd say, okay, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, right? So that's the either accumulating or the remaining progress. But then I did something different. At the midway point, I would flip. And so I would get both sides of the motivational coin. I would focus on how much I've achieved in the beginning, and then I'd switch to how much I've left to go at the end. And that looks like this. One, two, three, four, five. Five, four, three, two, one. And I found that that mixing the two, at least for me, has benefited me drastically. I can actually push myself to do more. My times are faster. I can increase my weight. And overall, I just feel more motivated. Whether I'm actually making more progress towards my goal, I can't tell you I haven't measured my muscle growth or done this study for long enough. But I do know that from a personal experience, I feel more hyped up and excited and motivated doing my reps when I count like that. When I count from low number to high number and then midway point go from high number to low number to count down. So I count up, then count down. And it's been working great for me. So how can you use this knowledge to benefit you and your own goals? If you're feeling a lag in your motivation, ask yourself, am I in the beginning? Am I midway? Or am I towards the end? And then come back to this episode, find that part, and then reframe your mindset around your goal. If you're focusing on what you have left to do, but you're in the beginning, you may be paralyzed with, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I don't know where to start. I guess I'm just not going to do it at all. So you want to focus on what you have accomplished. If you're at the end of your goal and you're only focusing on what you have accomplished, but you're still not motivated to, you know, wrap it up, tie up loose ends, then focus on how much you have remaining and how much progress you still have yet to go. And now the last thing I want to share is for long-term goals. When it comes to long-term goals, these psychologists were wondering, will immediate rewards or delayed rewards inspire more motivation? When pursuing long-term goals, would bringing immediate rewards into the activity result in greater goal persistence? So for this study, this is what they did. They asked people to choose carrots based on their taste versus their health. 
And they found that the people who chose the carrots because they think they were the tastiest and that they will enjoy them the most were the ones who ended up eating more carrots. Whereas the people who were asked to choose the carrots because they thought they were the healthiest and that they would benefit the most from eating them biologically, they did not eat as many carrots. And so what this says is that when it comes to long-term goals, like getting healthy, then it's important to introduce immediate effects into your progress because it takes away some of the conflict that you face. So let's say you want to eat healthier and instead of picking the foods that you think are going to be the healthiest for you, you can do both things. You can choose foods and select the ones that are actually healthy, like carrots and vegetables, but you can also figure out how to make them the tastiest because then you're going to end up eating more vegetables, enjoy the experience more, and be healthier. This is very obvious, but when it comes to long-term goals, introduce things into the process that is going to feel good. It is going to make you happy. It is an immediate reward. So for example, every time you hit a milestone, you can reward yourself with something that you really like. Or you could also do some conditioning with this and you can only light your favorite candle when you are working on your blog. It could be a bunch of different things, but the bottom line is if you are struggling to get motivated and working towards something that you just know is going to take a long time, that's just the nature of the goal, then focus on rewarding yourself periodically throughout it and introduce immediate rewards so that you feel more motivated to actually work on it. The bottom line to all of this is every person is unique. Every single goal is unique. And so you need to do what works for you. My hope is that this information, these studies, have inspired you or encouraged you to adopt a different mindset. Everything comes down to the mind. Everything comes down to the beliefs that you have within your mind. And so use this information to your benefit. Work with it. Manipulate your belief systems. Manipulate your patterns and your behaviors to align with something that is going to give you the most motivation to achieve your goals. Because you can achieve it. Motivation is not meant to be consistent. What we are doing is we're looking for ways to make motivation stay around longer. But like I said in the beginning, the most important thing to achieving your goals is consistency and discipline. If you can do those two things and then add in motivation, then you're you're ready. You've fought half the battle. Now all you have to do is just keep putting one foot in front of the other, but you got this. You have the tools ready for you now. Now there are no excuses. Go out and do exactly what you know you're meant to do. And with that said, that concludes today's episode of the Stars Are Calling You podcast. I'm sending you endless light and love, and I will talk to you soon. Bye!